Hello and welcome to the Mock Review with Ben and Drew. I'm Ben Garmo. And I'm Drew Evans. Well, everybody, it's been a couple days since we talked to you about AMTA postponing the national championship this year. And while there's a lot going on in the world, and we certainly understand that mock trial is pretty low on the priority list for everyone, including for two folks who host a mock trial podcast, (laughs) it seemed only right that we take a few minutes to break down the results from orcs that we do have. Obviously, we have no idea if we'll ever get those last three orcs results. We hope we will. But we've got five of the eight orcs that happened last weekend. And we figure it makes a lot of sense to just sit down and take some time to hopefully provide a little bit of a distraction for everyone in breaking down the results from the five orcs that we've seen so far. So, Drew, one of the really interesting features, of course, of those five orcs is those were the first ones to use the brand new pairing system that was implemented this year for the first time. Uh, I got a chance to experience it firsthand. You got a chance to look at all the information. So based on what you saw from the five orcs results that have been released, what are your first thoughts on how that pairing system went uh, during our first weekend? Purely from a numbers perspective, uh, again, I wasn't there, didn't see any of this happen, but I, I do think that it it seemed to be serving its purpose uh, to the extent that we we saw these wide ranges of CSs at regionals, and I took it down the the range that we recall was a lowest of a seven and a half and a highest of twenty five and a half uh, through the regionals. Uh, this year. And again, there, there were 30 regional tournaments and we only have five uh, orcs so far. So, you know, understand there's a difference in the sampling size. But um, just looking at the CSs from these five, the highest we got was 21 and the lowest we had was nine and a half. So we can see that it's it's kind of pushing teams towards a more middle uh, heavy uh, CS, which uh, the average, of course, would be 16. Um, but so this seems like it is serving its purpose from that purely numerical standpoint of, of consolidating our teams and the strength of their schedules. I'll also just say that I think that it, it did accomplish what, it, what we wanted and that you didn't really see any teams that had a schedule where you said, wow, you know, that schedule seemed to really destroy their chances of making it out. I mean, of course, there were a couple here and there where you say, wow, that seemed unlucky that they got that matchup. But I think because of the way this system works, a lot of the quote-unquote traditional powers were those teams in those group a and b um and because of that you aren't able to play more than two of them at the most so i I do think that to that extent the the system worked it seemed like it was it it accomplished a lot of its goals i'll just share some other numbers that, that ben and i recorded um of the 30 teams that made it out 15 of those teams were from the a bracket 13 were from the b bracket we had one C team and one D also making it through. So uh, one of the things we're also noticing is this really high concentration between those A and B brackets and not necessarily a lot of differentiation between the two, but that 28 of our 30 teams that have moved on were from those top two groups. Uh, I think that you could also, it's worth mentioning that 15 of the 30 A teamers did not make it out. You know, these are the, the supposedly the top six um, not making it out. So it, it does show that TPR is not the end all be all, but that it is a pretty good determinant um, in that very overarching, you know, AB group versus CD group. 
I, I'll also say this, and Ben, I kind of want us to, to chat about this and have some back and forth on it, but I think that the design of this schedule itself is is pretty interesting. And, and for those that aren't aware, basically, based on your group, um, and I hope we don't need to explain that, but basically, everyone's sorted into groups based on their TPR beforehand. But based on your group, your schedule is predetermined in terms of which other group you will face. So the first round is A versus D and C versus B. And the second round is then A versus C and B versus D. The third round is your your same bracket where the A versus A, B versus B, C versus C, D versus D. And then the fourth round is A versus B and C versus D. Um, I, I know that was a lot of letters and people are unlikely to have followed it, but the important thing is that the A's and B's play each other, both of them on the second day when we have the most information uh, about how teams are doing so far, and you can still kind of get that high, high pairing. Um, but it means that those C and D teams have kind of these random pairings um, against the, the A's and B's early on. And, and we can see how this is affecting the results or you know, maybe it's not affecting the results and those teams just aren't as good, but uh, we certainly have these kind of interesting correlations we're getting. So, I know I'm throwing a lot of numbers out there. Obviously, I didn't have actual experience there. So, Ben, I'll toss it over to you. You know, as someone that actually experienced it, hopefully you can tell us the story beyond just those numbers. Yeah, I've been thinking a lot about my experience, having now experienced this uh, system for the very first time. I think my early impressions are almost exclusively positive. Uh, I like how it evens out the playing field, like you were saying. I like how it sort of makes it it's easier from a coaching perspective, at least the first time through, to kind of know what to expect, right? You get that first pairing, you go through that. We, you know, we were at a one-two-one. And while I don't like one-two-ones, in fact, I specifically dislike one-two-ones, I think that this pairing system actually kind of works well from the perspective of a one-two-one because it like the what I hated about one-two-ones, particularly at the orcs level in the past, is you got your two high high rounds in one day, right? So if 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 you were two and zero going into day two and a one two one at the old orcs pairing system, you were gonna get like the two most. I mean, statistically, the two toughest rounds you were most likely to get on one day. That's that's a lot. <laughs> that's a that's a a lot to ask of teams, and it just I don't know. One two ones I think kind of shake things up in a way that I'm not a big fan of. Um, I. I think it's going to take more for us to see how this system ultimately ends up, you know, like working in the grand scheme of things. Uh, You know, it's like, I think you can make an argument, for example, that the, the fact that 28 of the 30 teams, 93-ish percent of the teams that got out from the A and B groups, it's like, okay, well, those are the good teams, like the teams that deserve to get through. So that makes sense, right? But is that what we want to be achieving? Right. Like and the answer to that question might be yes. Uh, I think it actually probably is. Yes, because like TPR takes into account the previous three years. And so it doesn't mean that teams with a 15 difference in TPR that that other that, that top team must be substantially better than that next team. I think what it means is the teams in the A groups and the B groups are for the most part on a roughly even playing field. And so the fact that it was almost 50 50 between A groups and B groups getting out, I think seems to suggest that 
you know, the system is working the way it's supposed to work. Uh, I can tell you just from a logistics perspective, I kind of liked it because when you're trying to prepare, okay, what teams are going to be playing this round? What teams are going to be playing this round? It narrows the the pool of potential teams in a way that I found to be just kind of nice. Uh, you know, going into round four, for example, you're side constrained. There's only three potential teams that you could hit going into that round. So you can kind of, well, you can't really do a whole lot of scouting. You can at least kind of get a sense of, all right, these are the teams that I need to know what to be ready for. You can go back to your notes and see what you know about those teams and stuff like that. So I think the early returns are positive. I don't really have any significant complaints having gone through it. Uh, I just think ultimately the sample size is too small for us to make like large conclusions so far. Yeah. I mean, I think that that's certainly very fair. One thing that I also will add, I really like that this almost feels like it gives you kind of mini goals through orcs in that I feel like for a while, it's hard to feel like your how many ballots you won at orcs matters. You know, if you if you didn't make it to nationals, to a certain sense, like, all right, well, your season's over anyway. And yes, of course, it affects your TPR. But I think up until now, in most people's minds, the difference between a team with a 102 TPR or a 180 TPR, uh, or even, you know, a 50 versus an 80, right? Like, people didn't really... No, like note that much of a difference between that of course the top 20 top 10 or whatever like those are significant numbers um in order to get into certain tournaments like having a higher tpr is obviously better but i like that this almost feels like it gives you kind of many goals and that okay you know maybe we're a d grouper this year this is our first time ever making it but oh we got two or three ballots and next year if we make it back well now we'll be in the C group and then if we do well again well maybe now we're in the B group you know you can kind of work your way up and as we can see this is designed and again as you said Ben for for better or worse this is designed to get those A and Bs in those important rounds in round 3 and 4 and to have those the best six make it through um and i think that to a certain extent that's that's exciting then for teams to kind of slowly push their way to getting to that level, to being at that, okay, now I'm in the A or the B group. I It's my chance now to really go and show up. Again, I, I'm not – I don't think that this is a flawless system. I, I, I agree with what you said, Ben, that I think it we do have a limited sample size. But I think that um, – in terms of encouraging some of those younger, newer teams, it's cool that we have kind of new goals for them. It's okay, you know, moving up the ranks a little bit. Uh, so I, I agree in general, we need more information to know substantially for sure whether this system is quote unquote working or not. But from this first weekend, I, I found it to be pretty positive in terms of the numbers. And I, I generally think it's a good thing for, for AMTA as a whole to have. Yeah, I, I think I largely agree with that. And I think it's interesting because there have been times where I wondered, like, is it a bad thing to remove the possibility for a young up and coming team who maybe is good, but isn't quite good enough to beat like a top 15 team, right? To have them go to orcs under the old system, find 
you know, a, a fairly decent path that ends up with a 13 or a 14 CS, but not a crazy CS and get through to nationals for the first time because they're pretty good and they never hit like the top three teams of the tournament. Right. And, and I think maybe you could make an argument that in terms of the long-term growth of, of the activity, like, oh, there, there's some benefit to that possibility existing. But I think clearly what this system fixes outweighs any potential benefit that that gives you because i think it's hard like i've seen some people who basically said like this is just designed to like make it easier for the best teams and you know that's that's technically true in that it is designed not to allow all of the best teams to knock each other out right so if, so to that extent yes that's that's true but if we put any faith in our ranking system and i think it shows for the most part to be at least accurate on a on a somewhat broad level then it, we do want to avoid those top teams necessarily you know beating the crap out of each other and knocking each other out and avoiding moving on like we see and and what like we talked about fairly extensively at the regionals level so you know if you're a d group team and we we'll talk about the the d group team that got through like this doesn't put you at a disadvantage it just means you've got to beat a good team to get through. And yeah, you don't have the possibility of getting to 4-0 and under the old system and hitting another 4-0 and team who maybe also, I won't say didn't deserve to be 4-0, but didn't hit any of the elite teams at the tournament. And then all of a sudden, maybe you grab those ballots, you're 6-0, and, and then you're through. Uh, yeah, it largely eliminates that possibility, but that's something that we should want to eliminate because we want the teams that get through to be the best teams. So... Early returns are positive. I liked it the first time I went through it. It's a little weird. It takes some getting used to. The pairing is kind of strange. You know, there, there's some some odd quirks to get used to there. But I'm looking forward to seeing how it plays out, hopefully, in the remaining three orcs in 2020 and then, of course, in beyond. Yeah, You know, the last thing that I'll add before we, we dive into the first couple orcs is that, as what you just said, I, I like that under this new system, it's kind of hard to accuse a team of lucking their way into it. I mean, again, like everyone has to play 1A, 1B, 1C, and 1D. And of course, there are some differences between the top A and the, the bottom of the A for most groups um, and you know, through all of them. But I kind of think that this system, it's really hard to, as you said, get that that BS schedule. And in the past, when you had a Cinderella team, there were, I mean, pretty frequently we would see there'd be a couple teams at Nationals where people were kind of questioning, do they deserve to be there? You know, their schedule looked a little bit, whatever. And I like that I don't think that that would happen with this new, new schedule. Of course, you may still, like, look, you know, again, Colorado College was the D team. We will discuss them. They made it through and more power to them for doing that. But I think that the the odds that someone would say, oh, they had a BS schedule, it just, to me, falls on very deaf ears because I'm like, look, like it, it, that that doesn't add up with what these numbers are. They, they all had to play the same A, B, C, and D. And they just happen to do better in those than the other teams did. And I, I, I like that. I think that is a, a net positive on the whole. So I think that uh, in the interest of time, Ben, you want to kick us off in the first orcs? 
Yeah, that sounds good. Uh, we have five orcs that we're going to be taking a look at here, and we are going to start. We're going to take them in alphabetical order from the first weekend, and we're going to start in Cedar Rapids. All orcs this year earn six bids to the national championship. So starting in Cedar Rapids, we've got Washington University, St. Louis. Uh, they had seven wins and a 17 CS. Then Chicago A, six wins and a 16 and a half CS. Northwestern B, six wins and a 14 and a half CS. Minnesota A, five and a half wins and a 19 and a half CS. Iowa B, five and a half wins and a 17 and a half CS. And Iowa A with five wins and a 15 CS. A uh, couple notables here. Uh, Iowa B was the only team from the C group to get through. They were C4. Uh, and then I think the main notable from the A group here is Northwestern A. Obviously, Northwestern B got a bid through, uh, but Northwestern A uh, was the highest ranked team at this uh, Orcs to not get through. Uh, other than that, I mean, like, obviously very impressive for Iowa to get two two teams through. Uh, Chicago A had a good weekend. Uh, Washington U St. Louis has actually managed, I won't say slipped into the B group, but they were B1. And for them to take the top, bid out here i i think uh yeah they were the only uh first bid out to not come from the a group uh of the five orcs we've seen so far which is impressive uh anything else drew that i missed that you noticed uh no i, I mean i think you kind of covered it obviously northwestern not making it out there this is a program that has sent two teams to nationals for a few years now um, and we've kind of come to expect that of them as, as tall of an order as that is. Obviously, it, great for Northwestern B for making it out. Um, but it definitely was a surprise. I think that that first round, again, that first round is an A team versus a D team. And with Northwestern, their A team playing Drake, which was a D team, and the result of that being a win and a tie for Drake, certainly surprised a lot of people. Um, while I don't like to get too far into the the mock trial confessions world. Um, I will say that there were a number of posts about, to my understanding, this specific round where there was a a judge who compelled all of the attorneys to sit during their directs and crosses. So it sounds like there was something whack going on anyway. Um, but at the end of the day, if you're going to win and tie in that round, if you're Drake, you had to be doing something right. So you know, clearly good on Drake for taking those ballots. Un unfortunate for Northwestern. They seemed like they did pretty well the rest of the way through. Uh, they, of course, had a tough draw against uh, Chicago A in the third round where they split. Um, but I mean, I, to a certain extent, this this system is what the system is. And if you're, you know, when you get that A versus D round, if you're an A team, you got to be taken both. Like you, you just, you can't afford to drop any because when you hit Chicago and then their their fourth round was against St. Thomas, who I again think that Northwestern probably expected to win that round. But I mean, St. Thomas is a strong team. You, you, you need to be in a position where you, you know, you are sweeping those, those rounds you should be sweeping. I think that's a really great point. And I think it is like fodder for the notion that Ampton needs to be continuing to push for orcs moving forward to be three ballot tournaments uh, because right. The, the thing is, and again, I wasn't sitting in the Northwestern versus Drake round. I'm sure it was a, a good round. It sounds like there was something that was wacky going on with the presiding judge, but let's say hypothetically, and anyone from Drake who listens to this podcast, I, I mean this purely hypothetically, because I have no 
information one way or the other. But let's say hypothetically that like an objective mock trial judge would think that Northwestern A, you know, the A team versus the D team, that Northwestern A should have won that round, right? But something weird happens and they split, or in that case, they only get half a ballot out of that. At that point, right, you're immediately in a position where you get, you come out of the round that you're supposed to get two ballots with only a half ballot. And you don't expect a D team if, say, again, in my hypothetical, that D team maybe wasn't objectively the better team. You don't expect them to go on and win six or seven ballots such that it, they'll help your CS at time. So all of a sudden, your maximum position is if you roll through now your your toughest three matchups, right? Now you got to go C, A, B the rest of the way, and you manage to go 6-0 and o in those rounds. Okay, yeah, you're through. But if you drop one other ballot in your, say, your A round, when you hit, for example, Chicago A, um, you just you end up in a really, really tough spot. And so I think, like, I hope that, you know, orcs, which again, it is hard to recruit judges, but like the more ballots we can get into this new system, the better it's going to be, right? Because the more feedback you get, the more like the top teams will rise to the top because over the course of more ballots, you expect things sort of to regress to the mean. So I, I think it is, I don't think I would say it's a flaw of the new system, but it puts the onus even more on the judging to be good and the judging to be correct. Because if something weird happens and an A group team drops a fluky ballot, that puts you in a really tough spot moving forward when you don't get two out of the round you were technically supposed to get to. Yeah, I mean, I think that all you said, Ben, I totally agree. I, I wish we could, you know, guarantee three judges for orcs. Uh, the more judges, the better, generally. And it does control for some of that whack judging that you sometimes seem to get. Uh, the last thing that I wanted to add, though, about Cedar Rapids um, is the fact that uh, Cornell College was the other A group team that did not make it out. Um, a, a funny thing about the position Cornell College was in. So Cornell College was A6, meaning they were the very last team in that A bracket. Um, Not a single A6 team made it from any of the five orcs. So that was uh, Hmm. Cornell College. We'll get to the rest, but um, Cincinnati, uh, Chicago, uh, Illinois, Fordham Lincoln Center, and University of California, San Diego. those five teams, not a single one of them made it through. They were all A6, and yet the B1 spot, which has been, you just noted, WashU, St. Louis, got the first first uh, bid out from this Oryx. The B1 spot was four and five. Uh, four, four out of five, I apologize. All, four of the five teams that were in that B1 spot made it out with the exception of Michigan B out of Geneva. Um, but I think that that's that's kind of an interesting situation. I mean, these are, in most cases, these are teams that are pretty close together in TPR. Hey, Michigan B was the team. I'm pretty sure it's five and, and five, five and oh, uh, I believe Michigan B was the team that got the bid. Oh, you're right. It was five for five. Look at that. I apologize. You're right. Michigan B got the bid, not Michigan A. So five for five, then every single B one team made it and not a single a six. And I, I, I think, I, I think that that tells a really interesting story. And again, this is all kind of my speculation, but if you are that B1 team, it means that you have a lesser chance of facing those really top A teams 
you know, the, the Chicago's, the Virginia's, Miami, the rest that are at the tops of those A groups, you have a slightly less chance of having to face that team. And you have a greater chance of facing one of the lesser B teams. Whereas that A6 team has the increased chance of hitting a top A team and a, a lesser chance of facing a weaker B team. I don't know if anyone's making sense of this, but if it helps, think about it like this. If we're looking at Cedar Rapids, if Cornell College played Wash U St. Louis, that counts as Wash U's A round and it counts as Cornell College's B round. Okay, so Cornell College still has to face another A group, whereas Wash U only has to face another B group after that. So, again, we've kind of talked a lot about the fact that we think that the A's and B's seem kind of interchangeable in terms of how they overall did. But within that specific B1 versus A6 spot, we saw a very dramatic change. And I I want to get more more orcs results in just to analyze that more, but to have an zero and five versus a five and five between those two is pretty remarkable, and I, I believe that B one was the only spot that went five for five. I, I could be wrong about that, but I don't think there's a single other spot that was perfect. Well, I, I will be very interested to see how that progresses, and like I said, hopefully before too long we'll have more orcs to look at but but that is that is a fascinating result as i'm sort of like looking at it here live as we're recording and you know i think that tells you a lot about you know at least so far how tough it can be you know i mean it looks early on like a6 is the spot you don't want (laughs) right i mean i i'm sure that no one is is crazy enough to try to gun for a B one spot. I like, come on now. There's just no way to to possibly arrange that. But it is certainly uh, fairly interesting. So uh, I think that we've spent long enough on Cedar Rapids. We'll move on to another uh, Midwestern Orcs in Cincinnati. Cincinnati had six bids as they all did, uh, beginning with Ohio State A with seven wins uh, and a sixteen and a half CS, followed by Virginia B with six wins and an eighteen and a half CS. Then Penn State A with six wins and an 18 CS. Then Michigan State A with six wins and a 16 CS. Then William and Mary A with six wins and a 14 CS. And finally, University of Tennessee Chattanooga with five wins and an 18 CS. Uh, I think that Tennessee Chattanooga eked it out over a couple other um, five and three teams. Um, we had five different teams on the honorable mention list with five wins. So that, that CS difference, just one point above university of Maryland, as well as case Western uh, to give Tennessee Chattanooga that final bid. Um, certainly a pretty, pretty tight set of records there with when you have nine teams between six and five wins, that's a pretty substantial part <laughs> of the, uh, the group to be there. Um and the other uh, obviously really notable result here is University of Virginia A. Uh, UVAA, obviously, I think pretty much everyone expected them to uh, make it out. Their B team made it out fairly comfortably, but their A team uh, was one of those five and three records, and they only had a 12 and a half CS. And again, going back to that, that importance of that A versus D round, they dropped their first round against University of Maryland College Park. Um, and College Park ended up going five and three as well with a 17 CS. They were, again, that team is one off, but uh, poor College Park faced UVA B in their second round in which they lost by the exact same margins that they had just beaten UVA A. 
Um, so certainly kind of a fun, interesting result there and UVA be redeeming their A team's result. But uh, I mean, that's certainly a shock for everyone to see uh, UVA not making it through. And just in general, this was not a lot of A teams making it through. The only A teams were Ohio State A and Penn State. Um, but this was a, a bracket that was dominated by the Bs. Um, Virginia B, Michigan State A, William Mary A, and Tennessee Chattanooga were all in the B bracket. And this was, uh, I believe, the only orcs in which there were more B teams that made it out than A. I, I could be wrong by that, but I, I do think that that's right. Uh, so, yeah, Ben, anything else that I'm missing here? Yeah, so there there was one other Geneva because it had Colorado College in the D group, which we'll talk about in a second. Um, but it was this, I mean, this one was only A and B, and it had four of the six being from the B group because you had no UVAA, no Ohio State B, no Indiana, no Cincinnati getting through from the A group. Uh, man, I, you know, I'm so kind of bent out of shape for our friends up the road at College Park for them to come in you know, as a D group team. But first of all, a point about this system, right? College Park is not a D group team, right? They've had, they had a leadership transition. They've been, I wouldn't ever go so far as to say rebuilding, but there were just some things were changing in their program and they just, they slipped down the rankings a little bit. But like we hit them at GAMT earlier this year. We hit them in various forms all the time. They are excellent. And that school has tremendous resources. It obviously has the strongest pedigree in the history of college mock trial. Uh, and, you know, for UVAA, as great as they are, and I know they're great because we we went and scrimmaged them uh, the weekend before orcs. And so, like, I, they're, uh, we, we scrimmaged them and they're fantastic. And it, it takes nothing away from College Park to say that that was a surprising result. But from UVA's position, right? They come in, they drop two ballots, and then all of a sudden you've dropped your D group ballots and the best you can do is come out and go 6-0 the rest of the way. Now, had they done that, they would have gotten through, but they dropped another ballot. And so in that situation, they ultimately didn't get out. But then College Park turns around and goes 5-3 and three, and then just by virtue of... At, when you're breaking a five win 18 CS and a five win 17 CS, you're flipping a coin, right? You're just saying like, we have to break this tie somehow. This is the best way that we know how to do it. And that like, I don't know if there would ever be an argument for like, cause we have like head to head tiebreakers and like whether or not there would ever be an argument for like a tiebreaker to be like your record against the top group or something. Uh, I, I'm just sort of, like spitballing off the top of my head as I'm talking, but like, I wonder if maybe there there's with the new system and, you know, have a way to calculate, okay, what are teams records against what we consider to be the best teams of the tournament? Maybe that starts to come into play. I don't know. I just, i really feel for them. I really feel for all, you know, I feel for case Western and Pitt and UVA a and central Missouri, this giant log jam at five and six is, is kind of wild. So there was a lot going on here. The the one other thing that I'll note, as they've been all season, Ohio State staying above the fray, right? Seven wins, pretty much a clean path through. You know, we, we joked about um, the, you know, Matt Bestman, Matty Driscoll, attorney uh, sort of seesaw. And this time it was Matty Driscoll who went with 18 ranks. And so like Ohio State, you know, 
we we're obviously speaking in hypotheticals here if nationals occurs but if nationals does happen i certainly would put them high up on the list of teams to look at to make a deep run because they've just showed themselves to be able to consistently separate from the field no matter where they've been yeah i mean obviously ohio state's record speaks for themselves uh, if anything the fact their b team didn't make it through is a little surprising but uh, one mm-hmm. last thing i wanted to note before we move on because uh, when we see this many teams with five wins, CS becomes such an important predictor. What I think is really interesting is if you look at a team like Indiana University. Now, Indiana University was a team with a 32 TPR. They were A4. They were, you know, a storied, a very strong program. They came in and went one and seven. Now, what that means is that mm-hmm. UVA's round, which again was the one win that Indiana had, they split, was a plus two, minus one, clearly a very close round. You cannot tell me Indiana isn't a good program if they're splitting that round that close. The fact that they only went one in seven. Now, I, I don't know what happened those other rounds. You know, honestly, for the most part, I would say good on the teams that, that took those ballots off them. Duquesne University uh, sweeping them as well as Grinnell College sweeping them. But what what to me is really interesting is that because Indiana had those that one in seven record, it drops UVAA's CS so low to only being a 12 and a half when your A team that you faced was a one and seven team. I, I don't know. I just, I, I find it kind of hard to believe in my heart of hearts that Indiana was truly worth one CS point versus, you know, I, I'm not going to choose another team because I don't, I just don't feel like calling out another team, but I, I feel like there are pretty, it's pretty safe to say there are other teams there that Indiana um, was likely a, a stronger, tougher opponent than that are worth many more CS points then. So I, I don't know. I mean, it, it's tough with this new system as to whether or not CS is as good of a tiebreaker. I mean, you mentioned record against the top teams. I don't know that that's all that much better because then, you know, in, in according to that logic, then, you know, those teams that beat Indiana University are all of a sudden should be winning ties. And I... Hmm. I don't know. It's it's tough. I, I don't know that there is a solution I can think of off the top of my head sitting here that's a better determinant than CS. But I certainly think that within this new system, we need to revisit our tiebreak tie system um, just because it, it's not quite the determinant that it is at, at the regionals level where where there is a little bit more of a direct correlation between the that CS and the difficulty overall the teams that you faced. But I don't know. I mean, I just I, I look at that and that to me stands out as a, huh, is that really functioning the way that we want it to? So I, I don't know. Fair questions. I think it's all things that we're going to be trying to figure out as we go forward. But we have our third orcs to take a look at, and that would be uh, moving not too far from Cincinnati to uh, Geneva, Illinois. Uh, like the other ones, it's a six bit orcs. And in order, we've got Northwood A, six wins and an 18 and a half CS. Northern Illinois A, six wins and an 18 CS. Michigan B, six wins and a 16 and a half CS. Colorado College A, five and a half wins, 16 CS. Miami A, five wins and an 18 and a half CS. And Notre Dame A, five wins and an 18 CS. A couple of interesting things here. We've already mentioned it briefly, but Colorado College was the only D group team to get through with five and a half wins. Uh, 
Loyola Chicago, the hosts of Nationals, uh, came not too far away from getting an earned bid. I think they were the second. Yeah, they were the second honorable mention because you had those last two teams with five at 18 and a half and 18. Then you had Notre Dame B at five, 15 and a half. And then Loyola at five wins with 15 CS. Um, and before everything happened with Nationals, they had already announced that they were, in fact, accepting their World Cup bid. And so uh we, if nationals occurs, we'll have a 50 team national field with a division of 24 and a division of 26 and one open bid, which we'll get to in a second when we get to Lancaster. Uh, beyond that, uh, Northwood, you know, they had kind of a tough run with regionals and I know their B team got an earned bid, but their A team was there on an open bid. Uh, and so for them to take the top, uh, rank through is, is certainly not a surprise. They're an excellent program and, and you see, you know, uh, Chris Grant, doing his thing, you know, with his double-sided awards. Uh, Northern Illinois, our uh, program, who's a friend of ours, we, the first time we ever qualified to nationals uh, in 2017, we scrimmaged them before nationals. Uh, we, you know, really like them. And so I was really happy to see them get through. And then the last thing that I noticed is Miami. Miami, A, obviously they got through, but Miami with only five wins is a little bit surprising to see. You just think, you know, uh, again, I mean, I don't know if you call them the defending national champions or whatever, but like the, the most recently crowned national champions and one of the top teams in the country to uh, only get through with five wins, definitely less than you would expect. But given the fact that the top team, the top teams in this group got through with six, you had three sixes a five and a half and two fives. There clearly wasn't a ton of separation between the teams that got through. Uh, I think that's about everything that I noticed drew uh, what I miss. Well, uh, I'll just mention this. You you talked about Miami uh, with only five wins. Uh, Look, first of all, five wins is still impressive. You know, good on Miami for doing that uh, and for getting through with the the high CS that they had. I I think that it's really interesting what happened in that fourth round. So in that fourth round, Miami dropped both uh, to Michigan B. Now, I just want to take a moment for us to to go back in time. Let's imagine that we're Michigan. Now, Michigan A, going into round four, is five and one facing Loyola Chicago. Michigan B is four and two, about to face Miami. Now, if you had to place money on which of those two teams (laughs) is going to be making it onto nationals, I don't know anyone in their right mind who would be putting that money on Michigan B. Now, again, that's not to take away from Loyola Chicago. Obviously, they've got the World Cup bid, and they they took both against Michigan A. They're clearly a good team. They, I'm glad that they're taking that World Cup bid. I'd love to see how they do it at Nationals. Um, but, I mean, come on. Like, like, that's just, I find that to be kind of crazy that Michigan A drops both and Michigan B picked up both in that situation. Um, certainly, it's very exciting for Michigan B, as we uh, as we mentioned earlier. They are that that magical B one spot that just had something behind them pushing them through. Uh, but it certainly is kind of a, a fascinating result to see. Um, the fact that Michigan A didn't make it through uh, is a bit surprising. Uh, Michigan A um, obviously has been a very very strong program for a while now. Uh, they actually didn't make it to nationals to my understanding last year i think i'm right about that yeah i believe that's right a big shock but they had been you know one of the top five or six teams uh tpr wise uh in a couple of the last years before then um so certainly surprising to see their a team not make it through but uh good to see their their b team pick up the slack other than that though ben i kind of think you you covered it for the most part obviously exciting for northwood to make it through and uh, again as you said for northern illinois um 
other than that, I think that for the most part, we covered it. I'll say that Notre Dame, the fact that they had uh, two teams with a five and three record, uh, certainly really exciting for them. I'm glad that they got that that bid to nationals. I don't believe Notre Dame has been to nationals, uh, at least uh, recently. It's certainly been a little while. Um, but they've been kind of rising through the ranks recently. They've been constantly showing that they are they're a top orcs team. And to finally break through is definitely exciting for them. And especially with that that last spot to sneak in there, uh, definitely uh, exciting for them. I, I shouldn't say sneak in. They they absolutely deserved it. But um, it's nice to see that they, they made it through. So I, I hope, as we've said so many times, that we get to see nationals. We get to see some results going there and get to see how those teams do. Yeah, the only other thing that I would jump in and say, we, we've mentioned Colorado College, but obviously they're the only D-team, D-group team to get through. And it was not like they coasted through, right? They walked in and they took a ballot off of Miami B and then they swept Notre Dame, who's going to Nationals too. Uh, and then they dropped, it looks like, two close ones uh, to uh, Colorado. And then um, as I'm looking this through here, uh, Colorado College, and then they had a win and a tie against Portland, uh, who was a team that took the two off of Loyola Chicago in the first round. So Colorado College, I mean, they had a 16 CS, they had a tough path through. Uh, and look, as of right now, with the results we have, the only D group team in the country, I believe, yeah, they were ranked 263rd going into the weekend. Uh, so good on them, right? That they they had to be over the moon, excited about that. Uh, you know, they are in rare company. I mean, they are in solo company right now as the only D group team to get through. Uh, and so uh, props to the folks at Colorado college for building, you know, something really impressive. They should be really proud. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I think that it, it's always exciting to see kind of those Cinderella stories. Um, but I, I just think that it's, it's especially cool. As you said, this is the first time a, a D team has ever made it through. Um, so certainly very cool for them. Uh, but with that, I think let's go ahead and move on to uh, the Northeast, to Lancaster. Uh, Lancaster had six bids, starting with Wesleyan A with seven wins and a 16 CS, followed by UMBCA with seven wins and tw- a 12 CS, then Rutgers A with six and a half wins and a 17 CS, then Harvard A with six wins and a 20 CS, then Tufts A with six wins and an 18 CS, and finally, Georgetown A with six wins and a 16 CS. Uh, so the the notables that we'll talk about first, uh, both Tufts B and GWA both had six wins and didn't make it out. They're the only two 16, six-win teams to not make it out so far. Uh, they are the only two that are currently on the open bid list, as, as Ben mentioned, because Loyola Chicago uh, accepted their or is using their World Cup bid, they they will create that open bid. And at the moment, um, although Tufts has a higher CS, um, they are the second team from Tufts. So GW has the first spot on that open bid list. Uh, should they should we have nationals and should they accept it? They will be going to nationals at the moment, um, which is certainly exciting for them. I mean, I think if you get six wins at Oryx, uh, for I would hope that that would mean that you get to move on. Um, yeah. And I'll just sh- briefly on this while we're talking about six, te- six win teams. I think that it's interesting the shift back from nine orcs to eight orcs with with six bids at each orcs instead of the the five bids at each orcs that we had last year. 
to my understanding, a lot of the point of that was people felt like if you get six wins at Oryx, that should be enough. And it's a lot harder for you to get six wins and not make it out when there are six bids than if there are five. The fact that we had two teams from the same Oryx that had six wins and didn't make it out suggests to me that if it happens, it, it kind of happens. Like, I mean, I, I don't feel like the sixth bid made that difference there. Um, and I, I talked about it before. I just, I kind of wish we still had nine orcs. I think it would have been a little bit better. Obviously, you know, some of these orcs aren't even happening yet, and hopefully they will happen eventually. But in general, I think that, again, always more teams to orcs is better. Uh, I hated that when we had to talk about regionals, we had to talk about some teams that had five wins at regionals and didn't get to move on. Um, I, I do hope that we move back to nine orcs, and I hope that this is an example of why six six bids doesn't necessarily fix the the, the quote-unquote problem of a six-win team not making it out. Uh, but other than that, just in general, this is a clearly very very competitive tournament um when you have that many teams at six wins it clearly was um i'll also just say this i mean this was all a and b teams but it's also the only b team to make it out was Rutgers, which was the b1 spot i mean this was pretty much as as predictable as it can be coming from the top uh the only kind of i shouldn't say like surprise but the the swap with that a6 team in the b1 um fordham lincoln center was that A6 team, they did not make it out, and Rutgers A took their spot um, as that first B1 team. So certainly I think there's a, you know interesting story to tell there. Uh, obviously with the addition of Harvard, they bumped Rutgers out of that Group A and into Group B. Maybe that was a blessing in disguise for Rutgers, as we're seeing with this uh, B1 spot being such a magical spot and A6 being such a curse. But um, yeah, I mean, definitely it's interesting. And Ben, you were, you were there, so I will... Uh, I'll, I'll hand over the mic to you. What what do you think? What what do you see at this uh, orcs? Yeah, I think it's it's been a week now, so I feel like I've recovered from the trauma <laughs> enough to uh, discuss it in detail. Uh, so it's a great orcs. Uh, we're recording this on Selection Sunday, so I'll use a little bit of uh, bracket talk. This was the most chalk heavy orcs that we saw. Uh, for those of you who maybe aren't familiar, chalk is essentially if the teams you expect to move on, the higher ranked, the higher seeded teams move on. Uh, six of the top seven teams at this Orcs got bids to Nationals. You got A1 through 5 and then B1 uh, in Rutgers. And that, I think, is why you saw two teams at Orcs uh, with six wins not moving through to Nationals. Because at this Orcs, with the exception of Fordham Lincoln Center A, the top seven teams basically did exactly what they were supposed to do. Right. Like you see, look, for example, at the top two at Wesleyan and my A team. Right. So they both went seven and one. And I believe my I know my A team did. And I believe Wesleyan had the same path as well, where they went six and oh against the BCD groups and then split their A round. Right. In theory, that's what like in theory, if this system sort of worked in a vacuum, you would have the six A group teams all get out at seven and one because they would all go 6-0 against BCD, and then um, you would have them all split against each other if you think that they're all roughly equal. Or maybe you could argue it would be, you know, 3-8-0 teams and 3-6-2 teams. But either way, that's sort of the way, like, in a vacuum that the system would work. And in this Orcs, more than any other by far, you saw the system work as close to that as about, I think, it's possible for it to work. Um, I don't know if that's a good thing or not. Like, I think... Ultimately, the 
the best teams at this tournament, maybe with the exception of Fordham Lincoln Center, got through. But part of the issue with like this particular orcs, and this is true for many orcs, is you know, it's a game of who do you replace, right? Do I think Fordham Lincoln Center should be at Nationals? Of course I do. They're excellent. Like we've played them. We hit them all the time. They won every freaking Invitational under the sun this year. Uh, they're a great program. But like, who do you take out, right? If you right. if you replace them, you know, who do you replace them with? There really aren't a whole lot of options. Uh, but it was a it was a great Orcs. Uh, Grant Keener obviously proved he can run an amazing Nationals last year and continued to pr- prove he can run uh, a great orcs. We had a fantastic time. Uh, and you know, uh, I don't know if nationals is going to happen, but I'll just say like, because I've got a platform that I'm really proud of my A team. You know, uh, I'm really proud of the work that they put in. This will be the third time in four years that we've gone to nationals. And if you told me that four years ago, I would have laughed at you. Uh, and that's all because these kids have worked as hard as possible to make that happen. And I'm really proud of my B team. My B team was nine kids, combination of B and C. None of them had ever competed at Orcs before. And they went five and three. They did exactly what you would expect a B path. Uh, uh, they, they, or no, they were in the C group. Uh, <laughs> and they, uh, there's a lot of B's and C's going on here, but they had a great weekend. Um, I was just really proud of that team. They're all young. You know, we're only a one senior on that team. And so, I'm looking forward to working with, you know, a lot of those kids in the future. Uh, but other than that, I think the last thing that I'll know that I noticed here, as you mentioned, GWA being at the top of that open bid list, assuming that those last three orcs happen uh, and that nationals happens, I really hope that holds because, you know, we know and like that GW team a lot. They were really good last year. And unfortunately, we had to play them in round three at orcs. And they're really good this year. We scrimmaged them before regionals. And I would really like to see them get the opportunity to grab that open bid. Because if you get six wins, you know, Tufts B, I feel for them, but Tufts A got through, they're going to have a team. But GW would be the only team at six wins to not get a program through to nationals. And that would suck. I would really feel for them. So I hope that that, you know, ends up not being the case. But I think it was basically everything here. I think it was a really, really, really hard uh, orcs. We certainly had some, you know, narrow paths through. And, uh, you know, I think that's about everything that I caught. The the last thing I'll I'll mention, Ben, and as you were talking, I was checking this. So you mentioned that the the A's and B's kind of performed as predicted after the first day, or after rounds one and two, I should say. There were four teams that were that were four and or sorry, I said there were seven teams that were four and zero. I mean that is pretty astounding when you just like mm-hmm. when you think about it. I mean like. I think that that tells the story that you're talking about. Seven teams were four and zero. That's just a lot of teams that are going to be either six and zero or four and two by definition, or better, uh, going into that round four. Um, and I think that it, it's as you said, Ben. It's just because those those top teams were were pretty damn good. Uh, <laughs> and I, I I echo everything you said about like who do you replace? I mean, the the thing that's crazy to me is that as these top teams that made it out. And yet you don't have Tufts B, who we've talked about so much, who, you know, obviously had such a great performance, they don't make it out. Uh, you know, Fordham, we said, didn't make it out. Wesleyan B, who was at Nationals last year, uh, who had a, a pretty strong showing there. Uh, you know, they did pretty well for themselves at five and three. I mean, that's five and three, the 16 CS, I think, gets you out of some of the other regionals. Mm-hmm. Um you know, clearly there were a lot of strong teams at this orcs. And I don't want to vent about it too much, 
but my goodness, like when you look at what the, the, if you look at just the groupings on the, the, uh, the group designations list for orcs, you can just see like the difference in, in some of the TPRs of the teams that are in the, the Northeast and the, uh, the West coast orcs versus the Midwest. And I'm not trying to throw shade. I understand that, you know, God is keeping in mind the geographic differences these teams have and the regionals they were in. But I mean, when you look at the fact that Wesley and B, who was the the lowest ranked B team at Lancaster with a 92 TPR, they would have been in the A group of Geneva. They have a higher TPR than uh, University of Illinois Chicago at 93, who was the last group A in Geneva. I mean, I kind of shrug my shoulders and I'm like, wait, like what's, what's going on then? Uh, I just think that it, we can see here that the, what was an A and a B and, and some, uh, some orcs were just not the same as others. And I wish that it was a little more balanced. I know that it's not always possible, um, but I will continue to voice this concern as long as I have it. Uh, there should have been three orcs in the Northeast. There just should have been, uh, there probably should have been i mean i don't know about two on the the west coast um we'll talk about santa monica obviously in a second but like uh, this something has to change folks like it's just you if you look at that you can tell how unbalanced it was and i just think it's wrong it's really wrong to some of these teams that they got so shafted by by these orcs but it is what it is i guess we can move on to santa monica it's not getting any better there yeah, I mean it's not it's not changing anything. The the last thing that I'll say and then I'll move on is I'm going to do something rare here and talk about one of my own kids for a second. Uh and that's, you know, we we talk on this podcast from time to time about Sydney. Uh and I'll just say this briefly so I mean Sydney went 2020 uh at Orcs. She sucks clearly. <laughs> I just all I'm saying is I'm really proud of her because I know how hard she works. And I know like people know who she is and that can be a lot of pressure sometimes, but uh, she is not only the hardest working person really that I've ever met, but also just one of sort of the kindest, best humans that I know. And I'm immensely, immensely proud of her to go 2020 at any tournament uh, is impressive to go 2020 at Orcs is pretty fantastic. I was looking through some tab summaries and I haven't found another one yet. I don't think I've ever heard of someone going 2020 at Orcs. I mean, that's unreal. She she had a good weekend. I, I'm very proud of her, and I just it's it's very abnormal. Like I feel weird shouting out my own students because like I'll talk about how proud I am of them, but like in terms of their individual performances, I don't necessarily think it's my place on this podcast to uh, sit there and go on and on about that. That's just not what people want to hear. Uh, I mean, but, it kind of is when it's Sydney. I feel like it, <laughs> but it's like I just it's a really unique accomplishment, and it's something that like you know <laughs> I think I've said before. She doesn't listen to the podcast, so she won't hear this, but. Uh, which if, if you were wondering if she's intelligent or not, clearly she's, she's very intelligent because she uses her time wisely, but, uh, <laughs> I like, uh, we're, we're, we're telling all of our listeners, thank you for listening. Uh, if you were smarter, you wouldn't be listening, but I look, all right. I, I'm immensely, immensely grateful for, uh, you know, the, the, the listeners that that we have who, who tune in and listen to us go on and on. But I just, I, I would be remiss if I didn't mention that because I think that, that she earns it through her performance and through her talent, but also through just the amount of work that she puts in as an individual. So I'm very proud of her. But speaking of 
you know, the great West Coast. Let's move over there for our fifth and final orcs to take a look at. And that would be the Santa Monica orcs. Like the other ones, it's a six-bit orcs. And in order, we start with UC Irvine A, seven wins and a 17 and a half CS. UCLA B, seven wins and a 15 CS. UC Berkeley B, six wins and a 13 and a half CS. UCLA A, five and a half wins, 18 and a half CS. UC Davis A, five wins and a 16 CS. And Stanford A, five wins and a 15 and a half CS. Uh, there are so many great teams at this works. It is hard. I think in many ways similar to Lancaster to differentiate a massive amount between them. Uh, UCLA getting two teams through. Obviously, as much as we expect UCLA to, to get two teams through, uh, to get two teams out of this orcs, no matter the pedigree of your program is pretty incredible. So props to them. Uh, definitely surprising. So Berkeley, obviously their B team got through, so they'll be represented. But to not see Berkeley A get through is a surprising result. And they were one of three A group teams that did not get through. Berkeley A, Arizona A, and UC San Diego A all did not get through. You had A1, A2, A4, B1, B3, and B5 from this orcs get through to nationals, which again, I think shows you like if you're just like the the groups here are just there's just not that big of a difference between a lot of these teams, not in terms of like talent and stuff, but just like in terms of the amount of uh you know, pedigree and skill level and everything between some of these great West Coast teams. There's just so much talent over there. Uh, and I like, I don't think it's surprising. Not that some of the teams in the C and D group here weren't good, but I really don't think it's surprising at all to not see any C and D teams get through at this orcs because I mean, there's no easy path. Not that there's an easy path at a different place, but like in Santa Monica, particularly, there's just no. Like, it's not like you're going to find like a, a light path, like, oh, you're going to hit the, the A6 team that's 33 ranked UC San Diego. Like, there's just no sort of like calm or simple way to get through this orcs. Uh, so I think that's mostly everything that I noticed. Obviously, Stanford, we've talked about a little bit, uh, sort of doing what they usually do. They were the last team to grab a bid. Uh, and then Irvine, you know, like, Irvine is such an interesting team, right? Because they had their their power years under Justin Bernstein. And then just a couple years ago, they were, what, I think a CS or an OCS point away from being in the final round. Uh, and they're like always there at the very end. And you just wonder if they're going to like, because I, I think, am I right that despite all of that, they never made it to a final round? Um, and and I believe I'm right about that. And so you just wonder one of these years if maybe they're going to find the right combination of people to punch through and get to a final round. But I think that's basically everything I noticed in Santa Monica. So uh, I want to take a moment to to briefly shout out a team and, and a person, and that is Cal Poly Slow and a good buddy of mine, uh, Raul Garcia. Now, the reason why I want to to take this moment. So first of all, this team had an amazing first two trials they were a d team that somehow managed to go three wins and a tie through their a and b rounds um they they took two ballots off of uh sorry uc san diego i'm right about that yes and then a win and a tie against arizona state a they then dropped both to arizona state b go figure uh and they split in their final round uh with usc um, and that resulted in them going in four and a half and not making out. But I think that the fact that any team 
um, from the D bracket would go three wins in a tie against the A and B, especially at Santa Monica, is so, so amazing. Now, the reason why I wanted to shout out uh, my friend Raul specifically is that this is a guy who I've known uh, for a few years now. I actually played him a few years back when we played uh, Cal Poly Slow um, when Haverford went to uh, – the Las Vegas tournament, I think this was three years ago now, two years ago now, whichever. Um, and we faced him in round. He was a great guy. We've kind of kept in touch. Uh, but anyway, he, he's been asking me for ages to give him a shout out on the podcast. And I've kind of been like, well, I, I, I want a good reason to do it. I don't want to just be randomly you know, saying, oh, this random person. But I think he has earned it. I think this was an amazing performance, uh, at least for those first two rounds, and heartbreaking that they couldn't close it out on the the second the rounds three and four. Um, but honestly, I mean, I think that the the story of this Oryx, as you said, Ben, was just this ridiculous, ridiculous number of top teams. I mean, I I, I talked about the numbers earlier when I was saying Lancaster, but UCLA B had a TPR of thirty six. And they were in the B group here. Like that is not only like not only is that a team that would be one of the 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 A one through three at most other orcs. I mean it, it it's unreal that this is a team that that by all means of the imagination would be in the A group of any other orcs, and again would be there pretty comfortably. And the fact that they were in the B group is is just insane. I cannot imagine the teams that had to face them as their B group. That's just – I mean it's just not the same. And it's that's just insane uh, that, that UCLA B could be considered a B group team. Uh, it's just ridiculous really when you look at the, the TPR, how strong this was. The fact that there were nine teams – Nine teams in the top 48. Like, just let's take a moment. If TPR was the end-all be-all, nine teams in the top 48 means that there are nine teams that, quote-unquote, should be at nationals. And nine of them are all in the same orcs. I I mean, I just, I, I'm at a loss. I don't understand. That just doesn't make sense. Yeah, and it's like you get it, right? Because you get you know there are geographical restrictions where it's hard. You know, California and the West Coast, the teams are so spread out, and like you run the risk. Say if you put a like if you had like a like a a San Diego orcs and a San Francisco orcs, right? Then it's like when do you start to get to a point where those orcs would be too weak because you can't get enough teams to go out there. Uh, but I do think, like, if there had been a way to move some of the power, I mean, I was just looking here, and UCLA B would have been A3 in Cedar Rapids, yeah. right? And again, I, I don't think anyone's like, nobody did anything like nefarious. We're not trying to apply that. Like, UCLA, UCLA B is just out here being UCLA B and being good at what they do. Uh, but it is definitely weird. Um, a couple other little things that I'll note here before we finish up. Last time, last episode we recorded about the regionals, we talked about Texas A&M and their season. They had been in nationals last year and their season being over. Since we had recorded, there was an open bid that opened up in Santa Monica and Texas A&M did ended up, end up competing at Orcs. Uh, so I just kind of wanted, I don't know if it, I would call it a correction, but I wanted to note that. 
And then this was the only orcs where we saw kind of an odd individual award situation where we only had five outstanding witnesses, including two at 16. Uh, you had two 16s and 18 and two 19s. Uh, again, I, I don't really know exactly why that would be. I think I would guess it's just because these teams are so good and they're just beating the living hell out of each other for four rounds that it's just hard to, cr- you know, crawl up. And I mean, nobody got for attorneys, nobody got uh, 20 ranks either. And so I think you just had so many great witnesses, especially when you get into how strong, you know, UCLA's witnesses are so great. Berkeley's witnesses are so great. Stanford's witnesses are so great. Like I can't imagine how hard it must be you know, to award as a witness at a tournament like this with just how much talent and charisma there is with all of these programs. So kudos to the teams that got out of Santa Monica. We've said this before, but I am not upset as much as I bet it was beautiful, right? Like I bet, you know, there was a lot more. I mean, Lancaster was cold and rainy most of the weekend, uh, but like Santa Monica is kind of a hellscape. And I definitely think while I think the results early on are positive when it comes to the new system, UCLA B is an example of, you know, can we do better at trying to move teams around so that we don't end up in a system where a team would be so drastically in a different spot from one orcs field to the next. I want to add two other things to this. And the first is that uh, this was also the orcs where we had the widest array of, of CSs. We had Air Force with a 21 and Texas A&M with a nine and a half. Uh, yes, that is. Uh, it's funny that those are actually on the top and the bottom of the uh, tab summary. It makes them very easy and nice to find. Uh, but <laughs> what's interesting about this is that, as I said at the beginning, those were the, the widest uh, – the lowest CS was a nine and a half, the highest 21 across these five orcs. If you remove Santa Monica, then we get down to just, I believe, 20 and something like 12 uh, were the highs and lows, which, again, I mean, I think that's very consistent. And we see that, that these results at Santa Monica, at least through these five, seem so far like those were some outliers. But I think going back to what you said, Ben, a lot of it comes down to this orcs being so damn uh, controlled with all these ridiculously strong teams. I I think I am suspicious that that may have been what could have caused some of those more more shocking CSs. Uh, is this kind of a separation between the top and the bottom teams a little bit more heavily than normal? Um, and the last thing I'll note on this, I I just want to say, like I think. Ben and I both kind of, and more me more than Ben, have been critical of the uh, the lack of of power being evenly distributed. First of all, I just want to say uh, to the people that do the the allocations of of teams for regionals, um, really Adam Detsky and his committee. I have the utmost respect for them. I know that they to not have any biases. They're trying to do this in the best way possible for all teams. And I think that they actually do a very, very excellent job of that. I think that um, what, what really this came down to what made Santa Monica, you know, so much worse than it should have been is something that I talked about during regionals. And that was that when UC Berkeley got their A and B team were supposed to, and I put that in air quotes, supposed to go to Geneva. They they were in a regional that feeded to Geneva, and their C and D teams were in regionals that fed to Santa Monica. Because their C and D both got through, and only their A, it meant that their their bids went to Santa Monica. 
And I just think that this is a unfortunate situation where if you move Berkeley A and B to Geneva, then you're moving A3 and B5 to Geneva, which actually they would both be in the A group in Geneva and you would have, or no, 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 I apologize. Uh, UC Berkeley B would have been the first team and the would have been B1 and uh, Illinois Chicago would have been B2. In that case, you, you bump everyone else down a little bit. I, I just think that that would have evened things out a lot better. Um, obviously, it's outside of their control when when you kind of have weird results like that. But I, I do want to say that there there this was not a nefarious thing that happened. I think that in reality, what was quote unquote planned was for it to be much more even than this, and it was just kind of an unfortunate set of events that that spun us into this situation. Uh, I agree with you, Ben. I mean, it's tough to say should we have two West Coast orcs. I I don't know. I don't. Th- I think that there isn't quite enough yet for two West Coast orcs. I feel like one where you export some of the power is a better situation. You know, we've seen Arizona and, and, like I was mentioning, Berkeley often traveling a little bit for their orcs to take away from some of the power over here. Because uh, clearly, when you have all of them in one region, it's just it's just too much. This is too too strong. And I don't know. I I hope that we go back to a ninth orc, and I hope that it can be a situation in which more of the power from the East coast and the West coast somehow finds a home uh, because so far it's just, it, it, it just feels like there is a lot of power on the coasts and a lot less in the Midwest. And that's not to take away from the teams that got their bids in the Midwest. They obviously earned it. Uh, it's just an unfortunate situation. And look, if you want to criticize Ben and I for being East coast voices, you know, feel free. Uh, I, I, I just don't think that many people can look at the uh, the orcs uh, in terms of their TPR uh, from a, a neutral perspective and not think that there is something wrong. Um, it, it just they were not even this year, and I, I hope that in the future we can find a way to get them closer. Well, bottom line for me is I hope it all matters. <laughs> um, Very true. You know, it it I've been thinking a lot. Like I, I was messaging with my team earlier today because you know today around like today being sunday around like you know 3 p.m was a week since we got our bid and of course we were sitting here expecting to have you know results from the princeton orcs and and didn't end up working out that way and like we said on the sort of emergency episode that we did earlier in the week mock trial is not nearly as important as you know people staying healthy uh people staying well and, and the community taking care of ourselves uh but i really hope you know, when you sit down and break down these orcs, you're like, man, I hope we get to have a national championship because it could be a damn good one. You know, like there are just some really great teams out there. There are some teams that I like would really like to get a chance to get a chance to play. I've said before, I'm originally from Chicago. My family's from Chicago. I was so excited to go out to Chicago for what sounded like it was going to be an amazing national championship. Like I've mentioned before, we got to go to great Chicago fire compete at the daily center. Uh, and I just really hope that we all stay safe and we all stay healthy and everybody is well. And that circumstances permit again, acknowledging that the mock trial championship is so low down the list of important things. Right. But that, 
circumstances improve and change over the next few months, even if it's something where we have to have a summer one, which wouldn't be perfect. I know there would be a lot of issues and we're going to do a different episode talking about like other possibilities on that front and stuff. But like, I just, man, breaking down these orcs makes me bummed that we don't know if any of these results are ever going to count. So I just, I don't know. I think that's really my parting thought is, is, you know, props to the team, the 30 teams that got through to national so far, Um, I guess 31, if you include Loyola in there. Uh, And I really hope that we get to figure out who those other 19 teams are that are going to be joining them. uh, Even if it takes a couple months, because I mean, not to mention it would just be a bummer to have two years in a row where we end up not crowning a national champion. You don't want to see that. Um, you know, Will would certainly be able to lay claim to possibly the most eventful tenure a president has ever had. Uh, but I don't think that's a mantle he's particularly looking to, to grab. Uh, so uh, I, I, you, you know, I love doing this stuff. I love breaking this stuff down. It's so interesting to me to get into the numbers and to look at some of these really great teams. And it would be a pretty substantial bummer if these five orcs are the only, are the furthest that we get um, and that our season doesn't get to finish even a couple months from now. No, I mean, I, I totally agree. I think that it's it's unfortunate, uh, I think especially for, uh, not only for the teams that have made it to nationals, but for the teams that are yet to go to orcs yet. I mean, I can only imagine what those poor teams that were supposed to go to Princeton were doing. You know, Wednesday and Thursday, they're in hard prep mode, and it's like, wait a minute, do we should we even be doing this? Like, are we, are we going to even have a tournament or not? And I just, and that sucks. That's just not, not the way it should be. And you, you hate that it came down to this. Look, I, we, we already talked about Ampta's decision to delay. It is the right decision. In my opinion, uh, I think that I, I'll be surprised if anyone disagrees. Like, look, this stuff has gotten to a point where you need to stay inside, wash your hands, it's getting crazy out there and we can't have a tournament right now. It's just not, really feasible um but i i agree with you ben i i hope that it, we can resume it I, if nothing else just let these poor seniors finish their season i mean i it just it sucks to think that they wouldn't get to and i i encourage everyone to take a look at the uh the the tournament that justin bernstein was kind enough to send out um but i mean you want to believe that these orcs are going to matter that these teams are going to get to compete one more time and like you said, Ben, we're going to talk, uh, you know, shortly, uh, hopefully soon, about what possible solutions could be going down the line. But I mean, there are a lot of questions going forward, and unfortunately, we don't have all the answers just yet. But hopefully, people can stay tuned uh, as the the virus continues to uh, sweep through our uh, news feeds. Hopefully, we will start to get some answers and, and start to make some solutions happen. Yeah, I think it's important to be optimistic, but realistic, right? That, you know, we we hope these things happen, but in the interim, everyone should, like we mentioned, and like you've read from many, many more important sources than us, continue to follow guidance from people who uh, are tracking these things and are giving us instructions. You know, uh, please, there were so many news reports this past weekend about people waiting in long lines at bars on St. Patrick's Day, many of them probably being college-age kids, please listen to the instructions of elected leaders and listen to the instructions of uh, people in charge, people who are experts, because I really don't want to be in a situation where 
we have, you know, members of our community who are getting sick and, and, you know, just having to suffer the effects of this virus because that would just, it would be terrible no matter who it is, but obviously we focus on this community and we just want everyone to be safe and well. But Drew, I think that's about everything. As always, it's fun to break down the orcs with you and hopefully we'll have more to break down soon uh, and, you know, continue to be well, continue to be safe and, and uh, hopefully we get a chance to talk to everyone in the listenership soon. Absolutely. All right, everybody. Thanks for listening. As always, it's a pleasure to be with you. We're looking forward to being back in your feed soon. We've got, number one, a fair amount of free time, and number two, a couple of episodes coming up that we've been working on for a little while. So look for those soon. And until then, this has been The Mock Review with Ben and Drew.